Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. Hello, Merry Christmas. We're nearly there. So hopefully you've got a drink in hand and you've shut down the laptop. You are planning to do some fun stuff with your family and friends or a great box set if you're spending it alone. So whatever you're doing, I hope you have an amazing Christmas. I'm speaking to you the morning after the night before with the three Wise Marks recording. We've got two episodes coming up. So one today, which is Christmas Eve, and one on Hugmany or New Year's Eve uh, on the 31st. So last night we went out and actually had some food before drinking lots before we did the podcast. So thanks to Bill and David Campbell and the team at Bill's for hosting us uh, over in Soho. So really good to see that place buzzing. So did that, dipped around the corner and we had an office space. So hopefully the audio quality isn't too bad. It's just studios weren't really open at that time of night. So many, many thanks to them for hosting as well over at Golden Square. So we got a bit tipsy. We said what was on our mind. Hopefully it's a bit of fun and resonates with you. Love to hear your comments as well in terms of what kind of year you've had, what you think's been going on in the market and massive apologies if we've missed anything. There was just so much to get through. Enjoy it. Merry Christmas, cheers, and I'll see you at the end of the show. So it gives me the most unimaginatively named podcast pleasure ever to welcome <laughs> the Three Wise Marks. Hello. Hello. Amen. So hopefully this sounds okay in here. We have... Um, hired a meeting room because no studios were available late night to be drunk and all the pubs thankfully are busy with yeah, customers which for is Christmas. Good news. so this is what date is it the 4th of december so we're feeling a bit christmasy so as ever thankfully i have my two shepherds with me uh, i've got mark winget say hello evening and mark stretton evening 
So we've been out and got a little bit pished, as they say in Scotland, um, which is good. We went to Bill's Bills, which everyone thinks that I say is Bell's Whiskey. So when I say I work with Bill's, they say, Whiskey, congratulations, that makes sense. I'm like, no, it's the Brighton-based restaurant group. So uh, thank you to Bill and David for the lovely meal. It was good. To this it was really good. So yeah. Also, the awnings are goneings. So yeah, where's the orange? Well, yeah, so there was the orange sort of yeah. uh, canopy has, has gone. So the team are a delight. So thanks for that. And good to see them going from strength to strength. So this time last year, I was just off a flight from Florida and we went straight into the podcast. So I was slightly jet lagged and drunk. Um, but also, thankfully, I've had so many good comments about what you guys have done on the podcast in December and in June. Oh. Um, so You're welcome. Thanks, Mum. We would, <laughs> there's probably plans at some point to do a really X-rated version of this is what we really think. <laughs> what we'll try and do today is present what we kind of think that is okay uh, without getting anyone in trouble. Um, but it's been an interesting six months, right? Never, yeah. never dull in casual dining, pubs, food to go, etc. Always something happening. What's happening among us? Um, I think probably... We'll start off, probably one of the biggest stories is Pizza Express, Ooh. since we last sat down. Um, obviously, I have to restructure their debts. Mm-hmm. I have to apologise for my profession, because I think we all went a bit hysterical about, you know, there was a few yeah, headlines totally. about yeah. Pizza Express going under, Pizza Express collapsing, Pizza Express going bust. Got to remember, this is an extremely cash-generative business, which had a lot of debt put on it. And people forget that it's probably... Well, it is the oldest casual dining brand, mm. over 50 years old. You think how many times a brand can be leveraged, it's been more leveraged than any other brand. Mm-hmm. It's got over 470 sites in the UK, and it's going to have to go through a debt restructure. It's not the first, it's not the last in the mm. current climate, and we'll probably work through at the moment. It's interesting that Honey Capital, which is the backers, have put another 80 million in to buy up some of the debt. Yep. So they're not going to give it up easily, obviously taking a position. I think most people think that Honey will keep the Chinese part of it, which is what they obviously, uh, China-based company, and someone will take over the UK-based part. But it was, I actually think Pizza Express have played it brilliantly. I think everyone remembers when they came out with their thing on Twitter with the dough. Everyone loves us. You know, it's good to know we need more dough. Yeah, I mean, I think initially they were a bit slow to to get up up to speed, but then when they did that, that, that was great. I think it does show you the slightly black and white nature of the press. Like you say, you know, the thing was bust. It was it was going to disappear from from view. And actually, I think um, a bit more common sense came into the discussion a few days in, where where I think it was Don Walsh at the time was writing, and I'm sure you were, Mark. It's really about who who's going to emerge as owner of the business rather than when it whether it survives or not. I mean, it, it fitted a narrative. Everybody who's in trouble fits a narrative, and you get the same names as we we've spoken about before. Get brought up over the last two or three years, and when people dive into our industry. They, they skim over the top and, and talk about it. And it's interesting that I think I made the point where I think where Peter Express needed to take advantage of this is a lot of people came out and said, I love Peter Express. Yeah. Had a romantic view of where I, I met my first that. wife, where I went on my first date, where I take my, my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what they had to do is take advantage of that weekend when it all kicked off. Mm. You'd hoped, and I remember uh, talking, to, um, talking to the MD, where they'd had an uptick. People came back and, and, and went back and tried out Peter Express for the first time maybe in, in a few years yeah. and it was to take advantage that Peter Express made sure they took advantage of that yeah. and then obviously that's quite unusual as well for you know when a lot of these companies announce CVAs or something consumers hate it and sales drop 6, 7, 8% mm. 
So for them to actually see an uptick, I mean, that just tells you about the strength of the brand. And, and it was like it was. a Marks and Spencers moment or something where, you know, God forbid if, if Marks went, there was an outpouring of absolute love. And what I have to say, in fairness to Pizza Express is, there's a lot of other brands that have went through CVs and all the rest of it, and you're finding out there's a transactional relationship there, not an emotional one. Yeah. And when yeah. you see the Pizza Express outpouring, the other thing is, um, I think I'm the only person in the world that pays full price for Pizza Express <laughs> because every Friday night the wee one wants a delivery, um, and that's what we get. And I just feel like the guy in the sofa shop at DFS, the you know the. I'll get the full price sofa, please. But also, so, yeah. at least we've got to remember, they didn't go through CVA. They've not gone through CVA. There's, mm. no, there's been no the restructuring of the debt. You know, whether they've got too many sites, it's probably something for the next owners to look at. Mm. I mean, actually, and also, funny enough, you take it a few months later, they get another hit, unexpectedly, yeah. from Prince Andrew. So they've had two, <laughs> two hits, you know, yeah. in terms of social media, in terms of yeah. trending. No Pizza. sweat. But I think respect to them and the fact that they didn't really go down that route too much. They didn't I think want it, did they? other brands may have. There was lots of good comments about was he having an American hot? Did you watch him not sweating? You know, this kind of thing. But, you know, I think the, the, the other thing with Pizza Express, I read this and I don't know if it's true, right? I'm not like this commercially or I, I don't know the facts, right? But there was an amazing Twitter thread that was about maybe 12 to 15 tweets from a financial yes, it was person, inverted commas. And their comment was that this debt has just always been there. It's just been underlying debt that has been there from the early days. And it's, and it's, it's, it's 1.5 1. 1. million per restaurant. Uh, yeah, and then they've just carried it through. It's true or not, I don't know. But anyway, it was well, a well thought through piece of communication and he seemed to have done his research. But that goes back to my research, point, it's 50 you know? years old. You would not get this date. It's got to be more than that. 65, isn't it? Yeah, that's funny. It's over 50 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 50, just, uh, 50 I'll just get my calculator. Well, yeah. the point is, you would get this debt every deal they've done. Yeah. They would be the first one to do a deal. So the debt would be go on and on and on. I just, I just love the outpouring of love for it, which came out. So whose fault is it, Mark? Whose fault is it? I'm joking. <laughs> wow. Um, I'll just say the money, man. I think there's a, there's a theory. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not as close to it as perhaps you two are, but I think there's a theory that they've perhaps underinvested in the UK in recent years, mm, and, and that the estate isn't quite in the shape that it should be. I don't know if that's true. But also, you look at the better pizza category. I don't mean it's mm. better than Pizza Express, but just that thought. They've warded off some quite serious challenge where people can be going for. It's not necessarily better pizza. I don't know. Some is, some isn't, but. You're going for a different pizza experience now where you want the leopard spot thing happening around the crust and you want the salad on. So these people are nibbling at them, but like McDonald's, they're still trading. People still use it. I think it's a case you know, of, for sure. No, I get your point about that. And I get Mark's point. I think there was definitely that we've bought this. We now look at China, we look at the Far East and see what we can mm. do with it. And it's a case about, I mean, you look at Mitchell's and Butler's, which has had a bit of a renaissance this year. It's Very cool. good brand positioning for Old Bar One, by the way. It was ex- exceptional. If you say so. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's about, you know, you look at them, it's, it's all about reinvestment. Mm-hmm. It's all about keeping your sites fresh. And I think if you talk to Beach Express, the ones they've done with this new, the new programme they're doing, they're actually seeing some great results. Mm. But, you know, but it's a drop in the ocean. You think like 10, 12 sites out of 470. 
And you've got to keep doing that. You've got to keep reinvesting. And yeah. you know, finding money for that and also paying down this debt, mm. it's very hard. But you know, it's pizza. It's it's small margins. It's you know, they're making a lot of money. If they didn't have the debt, think of the profits they'd be making. Yeah, yeah. But like like you say, you've got to see, keep tipping the investment cash into the business. Uh, you know, whatever the level is, whether it's four percent, five percent, six percent of revenue. You've got to keep investing. It's got to be more than that. I mean, I think I was I was in Kiev the other week doing a speech, and I was sort of punting around about eight percent. Really? But when I was at your, with Robin and that, and, and well, I remember fair, Robin has always been on this. Robin's been like one percent, yeah. you know. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 it was tight, you know. But you made it work. But I think you know. But then you look at brands like Red Bull and, and the big FMCG brands and all that. I mean, they're spending anything from twenty to fifty on this thing, you know, yeah. to just keep it going, but. You've got sympathy for people that have got five restaurants, ten restaurants. Even at that percentage, like it feels crippling to them to put that yeah. amount of money into yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah. So go back in. that's really difficult, really difficult. So yeah, so I think hopefully Pizza Express is okay. I think it was a big loss, um, like our place records or Woolworths in the high street. I think um, it is about who emerges with it, and that's the interesting thing. And obviously, Honey have, have, have put eighty million into mm. the debt, sort of. Shore up their position, yeah. It's just who who emerges as buying up the debt and, and trying to get the box seat. You've got an amazing brand. You've got 470 sites. Yeah. Whoever buys it, have they got the appetite to put more money in to maybe buy another brand to use those 470 sites? Who, who, would, you, who would you buy? <sighs> I mean, yeah, it's an amazing question. You know, who would you buy? Your 470 site. We talk about, you know, let's take a meteor brand. Let's take Mowgli this moment in time, mm-hmm. you know. Doing amazingly well, 10, 11 sites, probably got another eight sites in front in front mm-hmm. of them tomorrow. But then you get into the next stage where people are going, you've got too many sites, what do you do? Where's the buyer? It's it, I think you have to have a suite of things. You know, it's not just one brand's gonna say yeah. it's not it's just not one pill that's gonna save anyone. Sure. You know, it, it's you have to have a suite. You know, we, we were talking earlier um, about someone like in Bieber. Mm. So when Bieber started out, it was all bar restaurants, bar restaurants. You know, look at their um, in the state. They've got a yeah, virtual reality. So you've got a wine bar. You've got grab and go. You've got a ball, um, a ball pit. Ball pit. What's that called? Bolly Balls. Bolly Balls. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. So they, they have a, an amazing um, sort of family club business called Purple Dragon. Yeah, that's which is like really like a soul house for kids. Yeah, so house for kids, if, and if it's, you, it's run by yeah. an amazing lady. You know, fantastic business. Well, so if, if you've got these sites and mm. you've got this estate, and I think that's what we'll move on to pubs in a minute, and, and having that freehold estate, you can do stuff with You've got the property, yeah. and you can mix and match. It's very difficult. It's very difficult then to start, like, start something you've got 470 sites and retrofit in yeah. something that's going to just automatically make it work. Yeah. There's not many people who can do that, if, if anyone. But if you've got someone like in Bieber, and Disher Capital is another one where they've got urban punks, but they've also got a coffee thing, they've also got the Crystal Maze experience. You know, it's these people who can do the little things and then you, you pass them on. Yeah. I think that's what people, it's very hard for someone like Peter Express to go, let's get a brand in that could, we could have 200 sites of. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult, but there's still a brand there that people love. There's still a brand that people resonate as we've seen. Yeah. So there's stuff to work with, whether it's grab and go, whether it's re- reinvesting. There's not many people who've got that foundation of a brand that people love yeah. still, like you say, like Marks and Spencer's, yeah. that they'll give them time, you know, time and to get it right or to do something yeah. with it. Well, I think just in terms of um, the portfolio plays are really interesting because I'm coming across it so much in terms of what I'm doing. But I heard a story about a guy it was in Spain or something like this, right? And he had five different concepts 
And all he does, like every other year, is take the Asian concept, flip that out, put in the Spanish one, then put in the pizza one, then put in... And I think that's maybe the way it needs to go because the local community goes, oh, that's something new and exciting and fresh, but then the group is getting the benefit of that. And it might be that people so are going to... cycles are becoming much shorter. And yeah, it's a couple of years. Because yeah. what have you got? You've got your launch, hey, really exciting. You've got three months. And then your three months to nine months is okay. And then it's like they're off to the next thing. Going back to Pizza Express, what's really exciting about them is, do you know sometimes it's like you've just got to accept the customer base that you have. And this depends on your marketing team too, right? Because, you know, I've been talking to some holiday brands that are kind of staycation-led, and they were trying to go after the Bowdoin law and the posh thing and the yummy mummies and the thing. And it's like, your it audience is really just... Confusing, well, it's just it? your audience is ITV. Just live with it. Yeah. And I think so many marketers and marketing teams want the ABs, they want the smarter kids in school, they want the young thing, they want to be funky. They want to be better burgers. We're not be- better pizza or anything like that. Yeah. Actually, for us, we are better pizza. Well, you're just mass pizza. And I think it's then just saying, these are the segments we're not going to go after. So people that are going to Pizza Pilgrims, people that are going to all these other different, you know, Frank and Manca, Pizza Pilgrims, whatever, when you're going through that whole thing, just be happy to stay away from that because your whole thing isn't innovative. Your whole thing is classically consistent and that's what people expect. And it, must, it must be difficult it's a though. huge market. Yeah, no, absolutely. It must be difficult though when you've come from being the place where you go for your first date or the, mm. the place where you go Landers. for pizza with your mates. But that was Pizza Express mm. when, I, you know, when I was growing up, which obviously a long My time was ago. Pitching on piano. First date. Uh, okay. The first proper yeah. posh date. Yeah. Pitching piano. Yeah, Glasgow. Yeah. I haven't been on one yet, but... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Any tips. Yeah. Um, Watch this space. Especially socialising. <laughs> but it must be getting, you know, when you become that entry point for a lot of people and then suddenly you're no longer... Where well, I, don't I think picking up on Mark's point, actually, I think something we'll talk about. Which one? About your <laughs> guy in Spain who can switch from concept to concept to concept. Yeah. It's almost like that's what food halls have become because every six months... You can flex that thing. Now, I'm struggling with it all. But there's there's people talking about landlords in London having six month residencies because we keep it fresh. Mm. If I'm a landlord, I want stable turnover. Yeah. It's going to come after year after year after year. Now, it's great if it looks, it's the hot new thing, and every six months, wow, you bring. But every, you know, you're not going to think the next thing, six months is going to work. What if it doesn't work after a month? Yeah. So I, I get the food hall thing, I don't get the whole. Food also the next casual diet. Right, that's where I'm struggling. Well, that's that's where I'm struggling. So I think it's good. I mean, obviously, GD and all the wonderful stuff he's done. But I don't see JD as a food hall. I see JD as a late night street food curator. I think JD has an interesting take on food halls. Right, which is? Which is that a lot of them haven't got the drink business there. In, sure. order, in order to make the business model work. Yeah, yeah. So look, look at Lakeside. Look at tr- like market halls going into Lakeside. Yeah. It doesn't work. You know, you're not going there at 11 o'clock to have, you know, your bow from yeah. wherever. You know, yeah. it's, it's a different audience. You have to make that work. You have to have your go-to brands. Yeah. My worry is two things. One is I'm worried that it's going to be the next WeWork where everyone just goes fucking mental yeah. for getting these spaces and doing it. And, you know, it's a, that's a worry. And I just... I've been to 
a lot of them now, and it just feels really clinical. I can't yeah. get comfy there, or the atmosphere. Well, I, yeah, I agree. I, agree. And I, went, I went to Curb recently at Covent Garden and thought, on the one hand, it was absolutely brilliant and very impressive, mm. but also looked at it thinking, gosh, the amount of money that's been invested here, and I don't know what the economics look like, but it just looked, it all looked a bit scary to me. Yeah. I really like the cheese conveyor belt restaurant, <laughs> but there was, there was a few... Good idea, that. that. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Conveyor belt. Um, but there are a few things that hadn't been quite, quite let properly. I'm sure that's changed now, but you just, just look at it, look at the investment there, and the numbers they must need to do, you just think... But, but to be fair, Cobb's one of definitely one of the, the, the better ones, for sure, because yeah, sure. you get the, the vibe. But yeah. but then you've got in Brighton, if I'm being selfish, you've got shelter halls just happened with Dan and, and, and Biba and, and this and that. Wait, got, can, you, can you explain what the Immersive Food Hall is? Immersive Food Hall, is that is what it, it says? It says Immersive Food Hall. I thought mostly when you had food and drink, it was immersive. Uh, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough. Next uh, level. Next I, level I, I guess yeah. that just means there's a mezzanine. Um, but I, I guess... Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, from, from that one, what is so... And why, why I believe they won it was they were so bright and loyal. It was like, this is going to be from Brighton. Everyone that works on it is for the community. Um, and actually, it's a bit of a tricky spot in that it's at the bottom of which is classically Stagenhen Main Street. Um, so I think they're going to do some great things. And then you've got Ridland Fins, the, the Champagne Royster Bar, um, are taking, you know, the... the one of the species here as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that works, you know? I think, if anything, in, in, in when you get something new and a trend, you are going to get winners and losers, and yeah, you are going to get consolidation. And actually, most things, I think, with everything in culture and society, they will, will just be at a very quicker rate. So you've already got the market hall guys who've gone out and done Lakeside, which I don't think they'll admit, but isn't really working for them. They know now they're probably going to go out when they do their most of their regional expansion. Mm. We'll look at doing some consolidation. So not everyone that comes forward will, you know, you'll get your high-end sort of Milan catwalk, which is pretty much an arcade food theatre. You've got Italy coming, you've got Time Out, you know, you've got so many of these people coming yeah. into the marketplace. Um, when, when's Italy coming, do you know? Next year. That's going to be incredible. I've been yeah. to the one in uh, one of the stations in Rome. Uh, oh my God, it's, it's built in the train station, so yeah. maybe. Oh my god! I mean, it's, just, just, it's yeah. you know, it's the it's the front. The runner. smell of mold as you walked under all that it was like <laughs> death. You know, all these Parma hands or whatever. Yeah, you know. yeah. But, but, but oh to my say, god! To it's say it's a sort of like the next level of casual dining. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Maybe I'm a bit more. You know, um, we're, all, we're all a bit cynical, aren't we? But yeah. I, think, I think to your point, there's a, there's shed loads of investment going in, and whenever that happens, like you say, there's always winners and losers, aren't there? And, and there's a ton of money going in, and you know, it's just obvious not everyone's going to get a return. Not everyone's going to, you know, back home runs in terms of sites and, and where they go and, and how it works. So it's just really interesting to see how it plays out. I think we've seen it before with, you know, most recent casual dining and all sorts of other stuff. But where it is interesting, and, you know, I was doing a podcast yesterday with Scott McDonald from Source Market, and their whole thing is that, like, they're a megaphone for independent brands that are coming through. So if you look at their stuff, they've got Nicks and Kicks and Dashing Water and they've given them a platform. And to be super fair to the food hall people, they're kind of doing that too. And oh, oh, they're, they're putting, was it Gopal's Corner? Is that what you call it? Uh, uh, Victoria? Gopal's Corner's like the roti thing. You could 
Bredos, you've got, you know, Biffs and... Well, it's the next level. Yeah. That it's the next, it's the next of, level yeah. of street food, isn't it? You're yeah. showing off your wares, people come in, you're going to go, oh, I might invest in that, I might invest in that. And, it's, and it does that brilliantly. And but I, actually, have to I, be good. I actually think Victoria, Tri-Market, or Market Hall in Victoria, is what should be all Market Halls. Well, As in how it works, how it's set out, the location is fantastic. Mm. They're not going to do that every time. I've gone to the Oxford Street one and I was slightly underwhelmed. I've been to the Kerb one, and fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we all move around with the crowd. I mean, it's amazing how many people from one week were doing arcade food theatres, like the best thing since sliced bread. And then the whole crowd, the Instagram crowd, all moved down to Kerb and it was Whoa. the big thing since sliced bread. So you've just got to be careful. And we, you know, we talk about this every time we do the podcast, where you've got that, you know, Southeast London bubble. Yeah. And you wonder, you know, Mackie Mayer, Auction Food Market, brilliant concepts. You know, and you forget how wonderful they're doing out in yeah. the regions. I'm intrigued to see how JD does in Manchester and what he brings yeah, and, 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 and the next level of Dynarama, Joe Robot, takes it a next stage further because I think he needs to. Um, and I think dis- he will. He's a disruptive you know. market, isn't he, up there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think what was interesting, I did a podcast with JD, and by the way, the best-selling podcast this, this year. But what was interesting was he was really got in a soapbox in, in a good way about like just the lack of opportunity for London now which is you're not getting elite licences yeah. the people that went to Shoreditch to live in Shoreditch because it was vibrant have now got a bit old and now they're complaining about new things opening and it's just going out and out now so I was sort of joking with him going Milton Keynes is the next city of dreams that's the next place right and he was like no so anyway I, yeah, I think all sites are in Manchester and I'm excited about that renaissance for Manchester because it went big where like 150 brands went up in minutes mm. then it fucked and it went back and now it's sort of levelling out And but then I think there's more opportunity in different ways so and you know you've got some issues I mean I'm working with operators in Manchester now and I'm so surprised at how diff- or I'm reminded certainly in Glasgow how different the market is to here People aren't going out every night, and yeah. when they do go out, they're out, out they're properly dressed oh, up. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you've you like I used to do on a Saturday. You went to your top pants and whatever your buttons, and got your shirt and went out. And, but you're properly dressed up, right? And 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 basically, unless you're on now, where Hawksmoor is and Schloss is, or what's that Dean's Gate and yeah. Peter Street? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, unless you're there, you're fucked. And, and if you look at spinning fields question mark I, you know there's not Stuff. a lot of people doing brilliantly there there's a few but not we, we said a lot that it's almost like a change in the guard I think Mark mentioned earlier about living room the original living room oh. Deansgate is now a bit well, you know and that, yeah, it's, it's almost like that it's that's almost like changing change. of the baton moving of the circuit changing the guard yeah yeah I mean it was a that was a, a huge one of the originals a huge venue for, for many years yeah, yeah. and obviously we all know what Tim Tim Bacon was about and yeah, yeah. Jeremy Roberts and creating bars where people wanted to be and took absolute shed lows in, in terms of volume and yeah it does feel like a bit of a moment yeah that, but then you look at the difference between that and then something like a Schloss and you're like it's just I mean Schloss is off the charts <laughs> it's, uh, it's a phenomenon I mean you know difficult second arm <laughs> well <laughs> it is I mean that is an amazing that is almost like Stone Roses Stone Roses Good and, then, and then they've, yeah. they, it's probably now four or five years, three or four years they've got to do, they've done their little brother one in Liverpool, mm. but they've got to do another huge album slot somewhere. And, uh, you know, that's going to be I, difficult one to put I on. really like the guys there. One of the chaps is Scottish, right? With grey yeah, hair, Neil, what's his name? Neil, Neil, Neil Carrick. Yeah, yeah. So for years I kept meeting them at these do's, right? And we never really asked what each other did. They were just Scottish and had a laugh. 
that was it. Anyway, I was up with Arc Inspirations in Manchester going to see Manahata site, and he's in there, like obviously checking out what he's doing. And then it was like, oh, and the whole penny dropped and this and that. Like, but he was so kind. He was yeah, like, come to Schloss, we'll sort you out, you know, come for a few beers later. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. If you listen to any, I listened to Roy Ellis, obviously the co-founder, Mr. Mars, obviously Revolution Bar. Obviously a bit Roy Evans there, I thought you were going to love him. And then uh, Charlotte <laughs> Kemp, who's just done a, a, yeah. a piece for us at the People Conference the other day. And... The highly successful. Propel People Conference. Yeah. All I'll say is two presentations about Mission Mars and what they do with Rudy's, with that slosh, with the pubs. It's an exceptional group. Rudy's really on it. Doing and well, and, yeah. and yeah. They, 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 they've obviously been down this track before, or this road before, and they're just on it. I mean, I'm, I'm, is, again, that what, is that what the parent brand's called, Mission to Mars? Mission Mars. Mission Mars, Mission Mars sorry. Yeah. Which have been in Manchester for many, many years. And right. they've into, and it's kind of a reverse takeover. Oh, cool. And I get the whole Manchester thing, but I actually think there is, there is I think there's just stuff happening across every city now, which is exciting. You know, Leeds is having, having a moment. Birmingham's having, having a moment for the year. What's interesting about Birmingham is Deschamps feels like a Google moving to King's Cross Station. Yeah. Because Deschamps is pretty much one of the darlings of the, the thing, as we all know, they're, they're, they're going to drag so many brands in there. And yeah. Birmingham has been... I've always felt a little bit fragmented, disjointed. I mean, we opened you in friendly place and we were there and yeah. I just never quite got Birmingham I mean yeah. you know my wife really likes it the Christmas markets and this and that and she worked there for a while I've just never quite yeah. understood it but I think it's it's one to watch now I and think and anyway. also I think I think there's a lot of businesses which are relocating there the, the only example I can think of off the top of my head is HSBC but they've just put their whole retail operation there Birmingham so, yeah in Birmingham and there's a lot of businesses that are relocating there I think there's a lot of young professionals now who want to get on the property ladder, struggling in London, moving to Birmingham. And I just think there is this whole thing going on where, you know, if, if you're going to move out of London, that's the next nearest big city. Mm. And I think, I think what's going on with, with food and drink is part of a, part of a reflection of that. Mm. I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think there's a whole load of brands that are sort of looking there or opening I think you look at Paris Development, you've got Tishoum, uh, Vinatech have signed up. I believe, I, like Ro- that. I believe Roses and Leon will also sign right. up for that development. So you've got yeah. those brands going Roxy's in there. Roxy's going there. Aren't Hopefully they? Gavin and that's going on the podcast soon. So but, 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 but I think your point about in Manchester, there's now two places you need to be. Mm. I think there's the cities around the UK, it's almost like the same things. You've now got these little hubs where people need to be or mm. they're starting to congregate. Yeah. I think Bristol Corn Street, so the Corn Street, you've got Cozy Club full already. Mowgli's already signed up. Mm. There's a story tomorrow in Propel where Alchemist is on. He's going to do Corn Street as well. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this in a new generation of brands coming through, but you'll always get this churn of new people coming through. And Bundle Bust. That's a great business. It's that is business. one of the best, like, I'm not joking, this is one of the best meals I've had all year. And it was four yeah. quid. Great business. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. 
BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. Right, what about people in and out? Well, it was a very tiny story, McDonald's. Never yeah. heard of them. Yeah. Minor. So where do you feel in this? And also, we've got to be mindful that we're men and white and privileged and beardy and all these things. You know, got to be mindful of that in the audience and this and that. Very different climate in America than it is here. I think we also... And the people Guy went to, right? I think that's... Yeah. Two, it's two, it's two, I mean, it's two different things. So you've got to remember the high standards that McDonald's had put down in America and there's also been some harassment cases in America right. preceding the whole Steve Easterbrook thing. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there, there's a climate of, you know... If it's good enough for an employee, it's got to be good enough for the top guy. And he's, he has preached this. He's, you know, he's signed up to this. So, so the whole thing was he had a relationship with an employee who, um, he's the CEO, so obviously everyone reports into him more or less. Yeah, I think a lot, I mean, I think the case is he, he knew that once it was out, if, if some waitress in Alabama had to live up to the same standards of McDonald's that he was preaching, he would have to do the same standards. Now, I think I suppose a lot of people, how I catch this, well, it wasn't an affair. He wasn't married. The person apparently had an affair wasn't married. Mm. So it was just a consensual relationship. That's the real moment, isn't it? That's the real change. The fact that it wasn't uh, some sort of illicit affair. It was just the fact that he had a, had, had a relationship with a subordinate. Uh, and it's kind of like a new standard, a yeah. relatively new standard. Um, it's been of quite behave, of, of the way everyone needs to behave. But it's been quite long standing in America. So I remember sure. I had a friend worked with you know, some retail um, you know, in America. I think he's a Scottish guy, right? And, and he was quite a charmer and this and that. And anyway, you know, he was saying to people, well, let's go out for a drink after work and like it's a very well known chain, a fashion chain, and they were like, We can't we can't do that. Like it's not, yeah, it's not it's cricket, you know. And it's just well ingrained. And and if you look at, by the way, for everyone listening, if it is in the UK, we're really lucky on holidays, maternity disciplines. But the argument back, I would say, is that everyone in hospitality, I would think, maybe even works harder than so many other industries. It's backbreaking work, whether you're in support office, head office, whatever you want to call it, or you're on the floor, which is more bike-breaking than sitting at your computer and blah, blah, blah. My question is, because it's a 24-7 thing, whether you're a supplier to the industry or you are the industry or you're in the industry, when do you meet a partner? How do you meet yeah, a partner? Yeah, look, exactly. I totally... Swipe, I totally oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you swipe right. Swipe right. Yeah, you do. Okay. I, 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 totally, I totally agree. So I, you know, my previous uh, work was in newspapers... I used to work for a Sunday newspaper and because of those hours, you'd work in Friday nights, Saturdays. Everyone used from the paper used to go out together and there used to be a stuff lot of stuff going on. Yeah, people pairing off and, you know, having healthy relationships, but that's how a lot of people met their partner. I met my wife at work and I think it's just, um, it's, a, it's a new um, way of doing things, isn't it? It's, re- it's really difficult. I don't know what, you know, I don't know, the exact circumstances of Steve Easterbrook, but to your question, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? It's how do you set the ground rules and where well, does this go? Well, I think to go the other way, the ground rules were set. 
the rules were set and as you say what's good for the good is good for the gander and if it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the same rule for someone in Alabama wanting to go off with a chef I think but, but, but also the shock, the shock was this is the man who A turned around UK McDonald's exactly he is now yeah, he was the man who you know looking at it from different angles had turned around the US the US business and global business that was going back this morning so you're, you're then saying to the people who run the board of McDonald's is going we can now threaten this turnaround that he has done by sticking to our principles the kind of the tragedy of it is but exactly, I'm not, our principles not everything but, but the tragedy of but it that's my point they could have maybe this has gone under the carpet no yeah. one would have known about it and that could I have had that's a serious message from them yeah. that's my point it's that serious because this is the guy who's doing no it no one's this, bigger than the this, club this, this this was the guy who turned around that business. This is a, he is a big brain, multi-talented guy. Unbelievable. Probably yeah. the biggest guy in the industry. Let's be honest. For sure. The most talented guy in the industry. And that's, that's the tragedy of it. He was absolutely nailing the turnaround of McDonald's. But to your point, Mark McCulloch, yeah, yeah. that, you know, they have sent a big message out about standard. And actually, this is our standard. And we put that before everything else, including the share price, mm. yeah. the performance of the business, you know, what we're doing here, you know, this is more important. The McDonald's is always promoted from within and then we'll have three people in a fast track. They can go, not that guy, not that guy, not that lady. We'll always be ready to step in. This guy who's now his heading out has been learning under Easterbrook. It's been Easterbrook's number mm. two pr- practically for the last three or four years. Yeah. Now, your point about the HR guy. Now, this is this is a two-track thing. So, the HR, David Fairness. David first, yeah. Now, he is obviously an Easterbrook man. He came over with... Steve, he worked for Steve when he was yeah. HR director. Yeah, so he came up. Now there's two tracks. He's either been very loyal, uh-huh. and Steve goes like him, or he's paid the price of knowing about it and not saying anything. Okay. So there's two different things, and I don't know which is which, but there's two different arguments going on. Now that goes on to the point about loyalty and management and breeding a culture. Mm-hmm. Now I know we're going to now move on to Karen, Karen Forrester, who's obviously big character, TGI's, built a culture, and people people would argue that Karen was TGI. So, so my point is, when she said she was leaving, not only was she leaving, the CFO, the ops director, and the HR director all decided to go to the same way. Now that's, either Lawsy's Karen, or all four of them were like, I have to do another five years, because we're not going to get this sale away, it's been on and off the market yeah. for a year, two years. So you're gonna, you want us to do another five years. Karen said, no, I'm not doing that. Talk, talk about what Karen achieved though. Well, I think, I mean, Karen will be the first to admit, so 2008 when she took over, and within about a month of two months of taking, they had a fire at Hagley Road, which was the original TGI's. Mm, yeah. And it gave her a blank canvas to go, yeah. this is this is wrong, we've become a novelty. We've become the Catherine Tate, yeah. you know, the, 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 yeah, when you say, every, everyone comes <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone comes out and, and, and celebrates a birthday and it's all that kind of um, humour stuff. And she and she refitted TGI's. She refitted the cop. She will be known as the people person. That culture yeah, that she brought in that did business. She did something so brave though. But but that business- took everyone's badges off them. Yeah. That was incredible from a culture yeah. and brand perspective, and then creating that Earn Your Stripes program. Because what she Massive. found, I mean, I, I, it was almost like a stand-up routine she did. I must have seen it four or five times, and it was worth seeing every time. And. She said, I asked people, how did you get that badge? And they went, do you know, I can't remember. It was like a Cub Scout going, oh, chemistry badge. I can't really remember what I did. She's like, right, all this of them is off. all wrong. Mm-hmm. And you had to, in the whole programme, yeah, yeah. get any stripes again. She tells a great yeah. story. She, she, went to, she went to a site once and there was a cleaner who'd been cleaning this site for like 
two years. And she went over to the case. Big seat. Oh, non-stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, she, and, she said, and she said something like, you know, what's your name? How long have you been working for us? I work here every day. I come and clean it. And, I go home. and she learned her name. She said, thank you. And the cleaner was like, no one's ever said thank you to me before. That's Karen. That makes you cry. So I think... And also, to your, sorry to jump in, but also to your point about Hagley Road, I mean, she absolutely remodelled that venue. And then... Where's Hagley Road? Kind of the, t- the, t- yeah, the TGI mothership from the States, they were all over that and they were looking at what Karen had done. Well, she was part of the supervisory board. She, yeah, she yeah. was the stand... She became the stand... That, what Karen had done and, and the FITEP became the stand for the international thing, which is kind of ironic now where they can't do anything because they've got the UK franchise right. and they can't yeah. move outside the UK. I mean, Robert Cook coming in is, is it's a big it's a big task. I mean, you Who's, know, who is Robert? Where he was ex-Bank Maison, ex-Devere, right, the right. hotels. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's never worked in TGI's, he's, he's brand new. He's, he's another people person, right, so right. hopefully he can, he can pick up the baton, but, you know, Karen, Karen's legacy will be the people culture, the fact that everyone knew if you looked at TGI staff turnover, it's one of those brands, again, going back to Future Fest, that resonates because so many people have been through it. Mm. Talk about Tim Bacon, TJ Friday. Yeah. Talk about the founders of uh, BM1, TJ Friday. Yeah. Talk about the founders of Venture Bars, TJ Friday. Richard Morris, who's at Tortilla, TJ Friday. Yeah. Steve Hawkins, TJ yeah. Friday. Do you know, I'd like yeah. to draw that out one wow. day, which is, the, yeah. which is the hospitality family tree. Yeah. I've, I've talked to Robin about this, Robin. Bird, birds one, birds two. Jeff Beckman one, Jeff Beckman two. Well, so many people came from Whitbread because CGI's was obviously part of Whitbread at one point, and then yeah. it was M&B and But there, there's a birds, B-Y-R-D-S, birds. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, no, no. And you would do the... And, and you open the gatefold and it's a family tree of where everyone, Graham Parsons came from and Roger McGuinn. And I think it would be the most amazing infographic to do, right? And I would almost love to just do it. It would be such a fascinating well, it's, thing it's, to it's, do. It's funny enough because we, we move on to... We talk about Karen... And Karen's always said oh. she she is karate kid to her Mr. Miyagi was Tony Hughes. So Tony yeah. Hughes was again, I mean, but there was a holy there was a holy trinity under Tony, right? Because you had Karen, you had Vanessa, and you had Gillian. Yeah. Yeah. McLean. So when you look at I mean, no better people. I mean, what a legacy Tony's left with those three. I mean, Jesus, they're like yeah. most of, some of the most clever, well, powerful but, but, people but, but, in the industry. But you, you look know? at you look at you know, I think we talk about Ian. Ian Neal is the godfather of oh Ian's so much fun. Tony is Tony's touched on. I mean, M and B pretty much invented destination dining. <coughs> you know, premium country dining. Yeah, uh, and still kept Harvester and Toby Carberry going. And um, one of his gifts before he stepped down as an executive at M and B was Millen Carter. Right. When they had a handful of those, and that has been arguably you know one of the biggest sort of pub restaurant successes. Jimmy um reviewed it at the weekend, and what he said was. The steak was actually very good. He then got into a little bit of a tussle further down, which said it was on par for value. If you break down the grammage versus the price, actually wasn't that far away from Hawksmoor in terms of price and value. Um, But he said, leave the sides. What else? People in and out, Mr. Slee. Right, well, listen, before we do this, let me tell you a story about Clive. So I was at prep for a year, pretty much, he was lovely and I worked with him on and off. I didn't have loads of time with him. I just went for the people nod with certain things and it's not. Anyway, fast forward four years, something like that. I was doing a brand day for Busaba in the Riding House Cafe. And I was going in early in the morning, I had all my stuff with me and I was going downstairs, there's like a basement room in there. 
Clive is being interviewed by someone like the BBC, right, in Rainhouse Cafe. So I see him, and I sort of go, oh, this is kind of awkward, because I don't know him super well. I'm going to be a little bit miffed if he doesn't remember me. I'd like to say hi. I can see he's busy. There's all this stuff going on in my head. Anyway, walk past him, and he just goes to the person that was interviewing him, really sorry, can we stop? And he turned around, and he went, how are you doing, Mark? And I was like, wow, he remembers me, because you just don't expect him to. Second thing he says is, how old is Molly now? Is she four and a half or whatever? And he got it right. So he remembered, after four years or whatever, That's incredible. remembered her name. That's brilliant. And he remembered how old she was. And he was only interested in her. Like, how's she doing? How's that? And then it was about how you doing, how's Pamela doing? He remembered her as well. And, you'd, and that is the greatest skill of a CEO, for you to have this fight. It's the Bill Clinton thing, that you will remember one or two facts about every single person you meet. And you know that that guy that's got the leaf blower out the front is a Milwaukee's Bucks basketball fan. Yeah, or yeah, someone right. loves barbecue. Yeah, or someone absolutely. loves bluegrass music. Or mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. But what made me concerned about <laughs> Clive leaving was, and don't get me wrong, Pano is phenomenal when he's been there 20 years, he knows the score, but you cannot buy that. I mean, what a wonderful, generous... Right, yeah. Gentleman. He was he was phenomenal. You know what I, mean? I I spent um a day in trade with him, just walking, walking around London basically from Victoria and out. And um I love that brand and I think it's brilliant and I really fear for it. And I'm sure Pano's great. He's super. But Clive, you know, it's a big it's a big um big miss, change. a big change. And that is really hard. Well, I, I think part of the problem with Clive even was a lot of really instrumental people left too, right? And okay. So after me, there was Mark Palmer, who's the quiet man of marketing. You're not Mark amazing. Palmer. What? You're not Mark Palmer. <laughs> I'm not ginger enough. This, this, this is a big well, shot and revelation. This is a big shot. I'm not ginger or clever enough. Seriously, I'm here. I've got so <laughs> much love. Off. Yeah. So much love for that man. And... He just goes about his business really quietly, but he knows everyone and he's unbelievable. And then, um, as much as he, we'll admit, we fought, fought like cat and dog. Yeah, James Cannell. Um, James is the most creative genius I've ever met. And, you know, he was always right and I was always wrong. And it, it was phenomenal to watch. And, and the voice of Pret that you know and the way you see is between James and a chap called Martin Skilling. So Martin worked for our agency and then Martin came in-house. And, you know, Martin left, James left, Mark left, Clive left, Caroline left and went to Wagamama for a bit. And when you start, Yvonne left, you know, and it just was one of those things. It was just one of those, you know, sort of class of whatever year you want to call it. And But that's just, it's just who's holding the baton now. But... They made such a smart decision with someone that's been there from assistant manager for nineteen years. But but across that really knows it. But across the whole of he talked about I remember talking to Clive when it was thirty years ago. Yeah. And he the one of the biggest things he was proud of was that Hannah was coming through, Joe Brett was head of uh, New York, uh, I think it was uh, and Joe's wonderful as I well. The lady's name was head of Hong Kong, and they'd all been assistant managers. Sarah. They'd all come through. Yeah, they'd Sarah all come McCann. through Brett. And I actually think... Sierra's head of US now, I think. I mean, that, yeah, that, that is the indication, isn't it? When you, when you look through that team, people have been there for years and years and years. I, I, don't, I don't fear 
so much that something's going to go wrong. I mean, you've got to remember Clive's still on the board. He's still there oh, yeah. as, as a sounding board. And I actually think this might be, with JEB coming in, obviously investing with the EAT deal, um, it might be just one of those one of those transformational 18 months, 24 months of a brand where you've just got to give it that 24 months to transform. They are, doing, they are doing a lot on digital. They, 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 they would admit the digital journeys at the very start yeah. and they've got yeah. to catch up. But they've got so you know, to work in Express, this is a brand that's so loved, especially in London, and so much, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll go on to talk about the food to go market. They've got, a, they've got an ability now to actually consolidate that market. And but also, also they're just standards, they're standards and the way they retail. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I don't think that will change. I mean, we, we, you know, the allergens thing, which, you know, they're working through, they did that so well in terms of we will take it to the nth degree, we will leave yeah. this sector. Yeah. And people need to, need to do what they're following with that. Yeah, so yeah. so I, I think, I'm not as worried because I think Clive has left a legacy that the people he's left in place are Clive. Yeah. And I yeah. think Pano, like you say, he's been there, he's seen it. Brilliant. He's not... He's going to stamp his own authority on it, and I've seen him do a, a, a very good talk about what they need to build on. It is continual innovation, because what they're very good at is innovation. Yeah. And they see the uptick every time they innovate. They see an uptick. They see an uptick when they do a veggie prep about the different demographic that's coming into prep, you know, a younger demographic. Yeah. And they, they will not every veggie prep will work. There and it's a very good story, but I don't think they'll do as many as they think they're going to do. They seem to be steaming through those, though. I've seen, I've seen a lot of those. They'll do 25 by the end of next year. Well, I think the big thing with Veggie Prep is just making sure that Veggie Prep is differentiated enough from normal, regular Prep. And mm. I think that, but to be fair to them, it seems like it's the only sub-brand that's ever worked, as far as I can tell. So then come on to, well, let's come on to Mama Go. So there you have it. That was the end of part one. We came to an abrupt end because uh, nature called for one of the marks. So we had to get out of there and have a little break. Probably good timing. So next episode, we'll pick up on Mama Go, Wagamama's new concept, and we'll start there. And hopefully that'll be a good episode for you. So that'll be out next week. Thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope you've going to have an amazing Christmas or whenever you're listening to this, having a good time over the festive season. Massive thanks to BDO and Merry Christmas to them for sponsoring us all year. It's been a really great relationship and couldn't really do this without them. Two other people I couldn't do it without is Gaz and Gabby. So massive thanks to them for putting the show together as usual. So this is me, Mark McSee. Bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for sharing it with your friends and giving me all that lovely feedback. I hope it's been really worthwhile and I hope that this episode has really given you the value that will help your brand boom. Bye.